Welcome to another episode of the Artful Reason podcast. It's Q, C, S, B, I, and P. Ramp coming at you one more time to yes, give sir. you the art with words. Fellas, what's up? What's going on, brother? What's Hello, good? gentlemen. Family. What's going on? <laughs> Excited to be here. How y'all feeling? A busy weekend. Mother's Day weekend. Mother's yes. Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy to Mother's all Day to all the mothers. mothers. A belated Happy Mother's belated. Day by the time yeah. the audience gets there. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. To the good mothers and the great mothers. Yes. We love you. Yes. We love you. Always mom, important. all the mothers, but my mom, of course, especially. Yes. I love mama especially. Good. We God love you. you, Mama Good. Mother Davis, we love Mother you. Davis. All, all of the moms yes. yeah. in America and the world. Wives. My wife, that's a wonderful yes. mother to our children. Yes. My, my wife, sister, who's the finest sister mother that I've ever seen. God bless you, Liberty. <laughs> Pete Ram said it all. You said all the mothers. We could have said all of the. All that's of right. That's <laughs> up, that sums it up. We just haven't been together. <laughs> we ain't been on these up. mics in a while, man. So we just, you know, happy to be back. Absolutely. That's it. Happy to be back. Fellas, uh, a lot going on in the world. Uh, but one thing we want to focus on today is uh, the church, which we usually do. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting situation in the world. We, we get a lot of the Christian church gets a lot of criticism, and uh, some say that we don't do enough as the body of Christ, uh, that we don't disrupt or make waves enough. And uh, there are a lot of thoughts, a lot of different ways we can tackle this subject, but. Uh, I want to give everybody an intro, and first of all, P. Ramp, if you could kind of steer us in a direction, sir, and then we'll go from there. Yes, sir. Uh, so when I think of disruptive, I remember back to my earlier days in school when, because I was talking or goofing off in class, the teacher would send me out and essentially say, hey, I can't continue teaching because you are a disruption. Mm-hmm. That is the negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But in this context, and for the purpose of this discussion moving forward, we wanted to look at the power of the gospel to disrupt what is not good, right? Mm -hmm. So it's talking essentially from this thought, if everything around us is negative Mm -hmm. and everybody's doing negative things, what do we have? What message do we have to disrupt the negativity. I think about Jesus when he talks about you're the salt of the earth. We are a preservative. What are we doing to ensure that everything that is going down, right, is prevented by the message of life, the gospel that we have? So that's what I think of when I say disruptive information, when we mm-hmm. talk about disruptive information, mm-hmm. we have the word of God, mm-hmm. we have the message of hope and eternal life. Mm-hmm. That disrupts whatever negativity society tries to force feed us. That's good. I like that, uh, P. Ramp, and as I was listening to you when you were talking about it, I thought about um, the flow, right? The flow. So if you think of you know, just a calm day on an ocean or a beach, rivers just kind of flow. But when there's a disruption, then, you know, that's when you will have, you know, say a tidal wave or you'll have, uh, you know, whatever whatever uh, thought you have about water, once it's, when there's a flow and it's disrupted, I think there's a flow of negativity, mm-hmm. right? I think when you listen to music, when you watch the television, when you read the news, when you get on so, uh, read the newspaper, when you get on social media, whatever, what you see is a constant flow of negativity. Mm. And so to just kind of add to your point uh, just a little, not that it needed it, um, I think about John the Baptist, man. When John the Baptist showed up, 
-hmm. He was a disruptor of the flow of every single thing that had been going on, not just in the world, but even amongst the believers. He was a disruptor. The prophets were disruptors. You know, they were, uh, you know, there were certain prophets uh, who came around and every time, you know, the kings would see them and like, man, here you come doing what? Disrupting. Uh, my, you you always prophesy bad, man. They're like, just get away from me. If you can't prophesy something good, get away from me. They were disruptors. Jesus was a master disruptor. He came in and disrupted every single thing that you thought you wanted to do. And so I agree. I think that we have a responsibility in the flow of negativity that we see because negativity is flowing so easily and so properly and without resistance. It is flowing without resistance that we have to be disruptors of that message. And the way that we disrupt is through the gospel. So that's definitely a great point, sir. Absolutely. Good, B.I. Um, when I heard P. Rant preach this message on a, on a Sunday morning, um, man, it, it uh, crystallized for me uh, what we have allowed uh, to become the status quo for quote-unquote Christianity which is basically going along to get along, go with the flow. Um, yes. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Love is fuzzy. Love is welcoming. Love is accepting. Love is making people feel okay. Uh, and love is those things, but it's not only and exclusively those things. And sometimes uh, the truth is painful to hear. Uh, you know, there, there's a reason that the saying is cliche. Um, the truth hurts. Yes, that's a popular saying because there's truth to it. Sometimes Absolutely. it's uncomfortable to be told the truth. Mm-hmm. And in this world that we live in, might makes right. And so you'll find the people who are in power for whatever reason or who are in control will then always find a way to make themselves right. Well, uh, what I appreciated about what Pete Rant did was he what he preached was he crystallized how Jesus came and to their faces disrupted them yes. with the information of the kingdom and even went back to the scriptures, which they had manipulated uh, for generations to the point where they no longer saw the real meaning or truth behind the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, he told them the truth of it, which was hurtful, which was disruptive, which was changing the course of the way things were going. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that it is incumbent upon us if we're going to do what Jesus did is to tastefully and correctly disrupt with the correct information biblically or uh, otherwise that we have to come in and not necessarily make people feel good about their lifestyles or make people feel good about what they're doing. Uh, And so today I was hoping through discussion that we could enhance some of the points he brought up and maybe even add some nuance in certain places through discussion about when to disrupt, how to disrupt, uh, when is too disruptive, too disruptive. Uh, so it's very interesting, yes. but what was crystallized for me through P. Ram's sermon was we have to disrupt. Yes. Great point. I, I agree. I feel like what we have been witnessing over the last several years, and let me just be clear, this is not just based solely upon one's political uh, underpinning, like what political party or ideology you espouse. Mm. This permeates every aspect, every facet of life. So even in family makeup, there has to be a disruption. The way that 
we parent, we talked about this several weeks ago, if not months ago, things that we were taught that we thought were right somehow impacted us negatively. And what we've learned to do over the course of years and study and just doing things differently, mm -hmm. we had to be disruptive based upon our own upbringing. Okay, this was right, this was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I think to your point, uh, C.S., when you talked about when we are to be disruptive, I want to be clear. We're not talking about just tearing stuff up and, mm, and yeah. breaking people down. That's, That's not the goal. Right. The goal is for something to evoke change, evoke change in your existing behavior. Yes. So if I'm always doing what I've always done and there is no disruption, I don't see a need to change, mm -hmm. right? But where the gospel comes in, the gospel is like a mirror. We hold the gospel up. The mirror actually shows, hey, you got something on your, your chin. There's a speck. There's a hair out of place. Or you've got a spot on your clothes. That's what the gospel does. And what does that do? It disrupts our current lifestyle and says, hey, there's some things that you need to change. Mm, and right. so when we talk about disruptors, this is not something that is foreign. Mm -hmm. Everything that we enjoy now comes from some type of innovative disruption. Mm, true. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So cell phones mm -hmm. was a disruption to landlines, yeah. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cryptocurrency. I talked about it before. The way that things are being done are done because of what? Necessity. Mm -hmm. This culture, this yeah. system needs to be disrupted. That's right. Because I think we all understand there's something inherently wrong mm -hmm. when we see people murdered on, on body cameras and no one says anything. Yeah. Right? right? We, we, we see something inherently wrong when yes. people go to church for years and years and years and follow a person who's got children out of wedlock and who's not doing... That pastor needs to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. Not just to be disrespectful, right? Yeah. Rebuke not an elder, but to treat him a little... But listen, the word of God is disruptive for any and all of us. Mm, you yes. don't get a pass just because you're in a position of leadership. That's right. right? Disruption not. is disruption. Change is change. And I think about what Jesus said in Colossians 2 when he talked about taking the handwritings and ordinances that were against us and made an open show. He disrupted the whole penal code of sin, right? right? When he said, I will take all of your sins, right? Mm -hmm. Throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. So when we talk about yes. disruptive information, I think it's important, imperative for us to share it, the truth and love, but more importantly, we got to share it. Yes. It's information that we have to get out. Yes. Well, I, th I think I, you make some wonderful points. Yes, you um, And to contrast with our mission compared to some of the other disruptions yes, sir. that have been widely accepted over time is when people think that something is a progression or an improvement, uh, microwaves, they may have been slow to embrace microwaves as opposed to ovens, but when you show them you can prepare a meal in a fraction of the time, then people begin to embrace it because, okay, I see where this improves my life. This is more convenient. Right. This is fun. This is better. You give me more time. Like, I can see how this benefits me. What makes it harder, though, is when we say we may need to regress, where we might need to take a step back. Absolutely. When Jesus came and said, it was said, an eye for an eye. But I say, mm -hmm. turn the other cheek and let him smite the other cheek like he did. Like, okay, well, I... I was cool with killing who, if you shoot at me, I'm going to shoot back. Right. But now you're telling me to take it. That seems like that's different. That's a step backwards. Now, if you had said preemptive strike, Jesus, I can kill first. 
I might have accepted that disruption because it's progressive to me. It's a little better when it's harder to receive, when it takes away from right. the conveniences, from what you think is beneficial, from the comfort, something that doesn't emotionally feel good. We are more reticent to accept it. And that's what got John the Baptist beheaded. Yeah. That's what got yeah. Jesus crucified. Yeah. That's what got the prophets murdered. Yeah. Uh, that's what got the apostles martyred. Uh, these are the things that yes. happen when it's a, not necessarily a progression from the natural standpoint, but a spiritual standpoint, it's progressive, but it's regressive in the natural. Right. And that is what makes people more resistant, and that's what makes these disruptions not always well-received because we have to make it clear. When you begin to disrupt for Christ, yes. you are going to be resisted, yes. you're going to be resented. rebuffed, you yes. are going to be resented, and you're <laughs> going to be attacked. So yes. we had to make you're going to be vilified because fact. you hurt somebody's feelings. They came in here and you hurt them. They were so upset by and so offended. But that's another part of the discussion we'll have to get to. Sure. Is uh -huh. how we do it with as little offense as possible. Yes. No, that's exactly right, man. And that's a uh, such a such a profound uh, way of looking at it. Um, <clears throat> I think that disrupting uh, the culture. Uh, the, disrupting the church, dis whatever uh, disruption that you're talking about in whatever context you look at it. Mm -hmm. um, the issue that we have today is that um, Jesus's message and his methodology has been, it's been hijacked, right? So when we try to understand Jesus in the context of scripture, it's been totally hijacked uh, because so many churches are opposed to disrupting. As we said earlier, they want to, you know, just kind of get along and, you know, they portray love in a way, you know, I think Jesus was the greatest model of love, but he wasn't walking around just smiling and shaking everybody's hand <laughs> and kissing babies. He was not. disruptive. He was getting on everybody's nerves because Correct. he disrupted the way that they were interpreting the law. Yes. He disrupted the way that they were uh, treating each other mm -hmm. as, you know, Jews, as, um, you know, people of God, as it were. So again, I think the the main point that I want to make, or before I even make that point, is just that you know, as the church, we are the church. We love the church. We are not um, in the business of bashing uh, God's church. That's not what this is about. But it's just more so uh, kind of illuminating uh, certain differences that exist, right? So if you take uh, the issue of uh, homosexuals. Um, you know, depending on what church you go to on what day, you'll hear one preacher condemning it, uh, you know, saying, you know, they're all going to hell and calling them every name that you can think of. And then you'll go to another church uh, on that same day and hear, um, you know, maybe from a gay pastor, a gay bishop, uh, and then go to another one where maybe the pastor's not gay, but they affirm them and say, we have to love our brothers and sisters and you're welcome here. And maybe they'll have rainbow flags uh, all over the community, so as a person, uh, all over their uh, building, so as a person who's a believer, as a person who, or, or maybe not a believer, or a person who's searching, the point is we're seeing Jesus being presented in so many different ways and his message being misconstrued or, or thrown out in so many different ways that you don't necessarily know who to follow. You don't know what, well, which one of you is the right way. So mm -hmm. the understanding has become disrupted because we're not even consistent with the message of Jesus not depending what on what church said. you go to. Mm -hmm. And so there is even a disruption in the presentation of Jesus. And if we can't come to an agreement on who Jesus is and how he would handle these situations, we're going to end up 
uh, in chaos. And I think that that's where we, as the awful reason, want to bring clarity and try to, um, you know, present Jesus in a way that is as close to the scriptures as it possibly could be. He was a disruptor, and the way that he loved was so different than the way that in those days the Jews were used to seeing love, right? They're saying, uh, don't heal on the Sabbath. Like, you got to stick to the Sabbath, man. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. And so Jesus had to point out their hypocrisy. He had to disrupt their thinking, man. Listen, mm-hmm. so you mean to tell me if if one of your animals had fallen over or, or, or you wouldn't go get him on the Sabbath? Stop that. Like, so we have to present the truest Jesus without our filter, without our interpretation, but just present him as the scriptures say. And yes. until we do that, we're going to have a whole bunch of, and, and, and that'll probably always be with us, I guess, mm-hmm. but there's always going to be a whole bunch of different interpretations of who Jesus is. But man, people want the truth. And when we give them the truth, it will disrupt the flow of negativity that exists in our society. Good. In response to that, I say uh, there are many different interpretations of scripture, but only one meaning, Mm -hmm. which is what God intended for us to run with. And so I I was sitting here thinking about this notion of disruptive information, right? And how we as people of God, as followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, are called to be disruptors. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me that several years ago, um, there was an event held on campus. I think it was at Marshawn, Marshawn Auditorium. And for most of us who've been around for any length of time, we know that Chicago, New York, has always been a hot spot for murders, mm-hmm. right? I think we were here talking a few months ago and, and it was like 49 or 50 people who were killed in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the reason why I bring this up is there was a group of individuals who were known as disruptors. Mm -hmm. And their job, their responsibility was to find out where these hot spots were, these trouble spots were. And they would go out here and talk to rival gang leaders and talk to community leaders. They would go to these funerals and try to get everybody to understand, hey, the the way you're doing things is not right. They were known as disruptors. Most people looked at them as a a mutual benefit to the community, right? Because you're not only bringing information to us, you're trying to quell all of this violence. So I'm sitting here thinking, isn't that what we're called to be as as ministers of this great gospel, disruptors? Aren't we called to hot spots? Aren't we called to regions and areas where other people don't want to go, right? Yeah. Like Jesus is in a remote area with the garrison demoniac, and everybody else is like, Mm-mm, he's cutting himself. We don't want to be bothered. Jesus right. shows up, and it's like, well, I'm here because I want to be here. Right? Right. There's <laughs> ministry here. There's an opportunity here. There's a way for me to disrupt his lifestyle of being controlled by the enemy. So the first thing I want to mention is we are not only called to provide disruptive information. That is the gospel. But by our own presence, Mm -hmm. we are disruptors. We are supposed to be marching with those who are asking for or demanding justice. Mm -hmm. That's disruptive. We serve a God of liberation, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we think about how important it is 
for us as the church. And I'm speaking specifically of the church because there are a lot of people who have a lot of negativity to say about the church who are not a part of the church, right? And what I'm saying is I don't think it's appropriate Mm -hmm. to talk about something that you're not a part of. Mm -hmm. You can talk about your family because that's your family. Mm-hmm. But someone else talks about your family, you're highly offended because mm-hmm. you're like, you don't understand the dynamics. Yes. And that's not to be off-putting or brash or harsh, but I'm just saying I think it's real easy for people to, to say, well, I don't like the church because of what somebody else did. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's 10, 12 months, years, whatever. Mm-hmm. I get all of that, but let's get mm-hmm. back to the real meat and potatoes of the issue. What are we to do? What are we supposed to do? Why are we here? Mm-hmm. What do we want to change? How are we going to change it? Mm-hmm. It's all based upon what Jesus says to us in Matthew about going and making disciples. I think we forget how powerfully disruptive mm-hmm. the gospel is. It is. It's disruptive for people whose lives have been controlled and ravaged by sin. And so if we have the, the message of life and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been dispatched to areas where other people won't go. We're supposed to go to hotspots. And when I say hotspots, I'm talking about places that people would think differently about you if you're a Christian, if they see you there. You hear me? I mean, that's what, what, if we want to be totally honest, that's why Jesus frequently got into clashes with the erudite scholars, the religious leaders of his day, was because he did the opposite of what they thought he should do, mm-hmm. right? Why are you, do you know who it is that's touching your feet and crying and snotting and crying all over you? She's a prostitute. Why are you talking to that woman mm-hmm. who's got all these men I- I- at home? she got five, six husbands. Why are you mm-hmm. talking to her? Tax collectors, what? wine bibbers. Why are you kicking with all these people we've shunned? We've shunned them. Yeah, you're touching lepers. And Jesus said, <laughs> You shunned them, mm-hmm. but I'm going to disrupt your system mm-hmm. of shunning. Because mm-hmm. if anyone, that's why the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, in a saying, whoever's free of, of, of guilt and sin, I'll give you the first rock. You throw the first rock. Mm-hmm. And guess what the Bible says? Everybody left. Yes. Why? Because mm-hmm. they realized that when the real message <laughs> of the good news of Jesus Christ comes, we are either found guilty, Mm -hmm. right? Or we throw ourselves on the mercy of God's grace. And that's really what I think this disruptive information is about, man. But we really got to get back to the point where we just say what needs to be said. And I'm just, listen, we're not trying to beat people up. People share things with me all the Mm -hmm. time and I have to be checked, Mm -hmm. right? My attitude, my, my, my temperament. Come on, pastor, you know better than that. It's, no one is above this information. Mm-hmm. And if it changes the way that you think about what you're doing, that's what it's intended to do. Absolutely. It is a, it's absolutely intended to reverse the flow yes. of the way things are going. And generally, that means serving the underprivileged, serving the underdog, coming on the side of the orphan, of the widowed, of those who are in prison, those who have been forgotten, those who are hungry, those who are destitute, those who are not empowered, because the people who are in power will always manipulate the yes. word of God to substantiate the That's way they point. want to live. Great so if this helps to craft my seat and make sure you can never get me out of here, whether that means as head of the church, head of the government, head of the world, then I will try to substantiate scripture and help you feel like you're falling in line with God's plan if you support me. 
if and you real don't quick, stand and in the way. And that's what Jesus, so when you think about it, when Jesus came, remember the uh, his, his apostles and his disciples were expecting him to do what? Overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disrupt, change the system. They thought that they could... Uh, not, I, don't, I don't think they were wrong in their thinking. I don't think they were, or at least wicked in their thinking, but because, to your point, the system was so corrupt, the system was so against them as the underprivileged, mm-hmm. they believed that he was going to come and truly overthrow the Roman government and truly overthrow and bring ju- bring the type of justice that they thought they would see or that they thought that they needed. But Jesus came, no, I didn't even come to do that. That's not what I'm here for. True. And that was disruptive to what they expected out of the Absolutely. Messiah because it had been foretold. But man, for a long time from that point, had been manipulating the scriptures yes. to substantiate what they wanted or what they wanted out of it. And that's why Jesus came so often and went against what the law had been interpreted as saying and gave you the real meaning. Mm-hmm. That's the disappointing aspect of where we live now mm-hmm. because what we do now in this world is we condemn a slip of the tongue, mm-hmm. but we support the actions behind it. So all it is is craftily manipulating the word and the verbiage mm-hmm. to substantiate what you want to pre- be perceived as. Correct. And to perpetuate that, yeah. that image, like this is what I am, this yes. is who we are. Oh, he accidentally had a slip of the tongue, and it sounded like he said blackie when he meant uh, Iraqi, <laughs> whatever the case may sure, be. Yeah. And you can lose <laughs> your job for yeah. that. Sure. But yeah. how many million voted for Trump this time that we barely got him out of there? More than, at that point, more than had voted for any other president. But the and, that there's a number on it. How many million? What was it, it? 74, Come on, 74 man. million? So people are losing their job. All of you uh, companies and corporations and all of you people are against somebody saying one, making one mistake on air, on a radio show or on a sports talk network or wherever because we can't be perceived or seen as uh, racist. You know, we're, we're embracing. We love everybody. But your actions show right. your heart. And your intention, and you have rendered the very words you speak to none effects. And that's what Jesus came and did and said, listen, your actions and the way you are interpreting these scriptures is rendering the word of God to no effect. Right. It's like you, you're you trying to find a way not to take care of your mother and father. Right. You enter the word craftily. Remember the scripture? I don't remember yeah. the exact scripture. But he was telling them. Uh, they, they, there was a way they had interpreted the scripture and yeah. manipulated it to where now if your mother and father do this, then you don't really have to take care of them like that. You, you strain at gnats but have no problem swallowing whole no, candles. Swallowing <laughs> candles. So it's a disappointing aspect of where we are now and what Jesus came to disrupt was what they have put in place and empowered is to keep who's down, down. Yeah. And to keep who's up, up. Sure. And if we don't speak against it and fight against it, then we can't say that we've modeled ourselves after Christ because Jesus yeah. came to flip it. He, he flipped did. it and yeah. he died as a result. But they didn't know that he that was just the beginning, sure. that he was coming back Absolutely. and was going to empower us to do greater things than he did, as right. he said. Yeah. And so we have to get about the greater things. Who can do what's greater than Christ? But there's so many of us sure. that we can do the greater. And that's what we have to be looking looking towards. I think about uh, what you just said, uh, CS, and it's and it's powerful uh, because that's what Jesus taught Mark seven and eight, teaching for doctrine, mm-hmm. the doctrine of men, men. rather mm-hmm. than the doctrine of that's how people have gotten in trouble. And yeah. then he said in another place, you honor me 
<laughs> with your lips, but your heart, but your heart is far from me. Is far from me, and so I think that's why. Back to an earlier point that you made, Bi, uh, there has been a disconnect between the presentation of the historical Jesus. First and foremost, we have to know Jesus, right? right yes. Right. You can't disrupt information if the same Jesus that is promoted on December 24th and on April the 4th, that coochie cool, cute, not Jesus the, the, the revolutionary. We're not talking about that, that in and of itself is proof positive that Jesus did. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Bring a sword. I came to set a man at variance. In other words, it's, it's going to be like tough for yeah. these next few years. These three years, I'm going to come in here and everything that they've been teaching you. Why do you think he went into the temple, flipped tables? Because he said, how dare you mm -hmm. try to make my father's house a marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. You're in here peddling goods. This is a house of what? Prayer. That was disruptive in and of itself because yeah. it's like, wait a minute. And to just to, just to <laughs> add to that point, absolutely, it was the only place yes. where the Gentiles could come worship. Period. So you're taking away the only place that those that don't know me sure. can come get to know me. So why is that important? Yeah. Because I'm out here preaching ministering, teaching, <laughs> and now because of your own house rules, the only place that has been earmarked, designed, designated for those who are outside to come in, you're trying to take that over. Mm -mm, I'm not having it. So he disrupted their yes. service, yes. disrupted, threw all the change and all the money out, got all the animals and let them go. He said, uh-uh, that's not what this is about. So we are in the same vein. We have to use that same vim and vigor when it comes to propagating the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. And I believe, this is just my own personal belief, I think more damage has been done because people refuse to accept the individual mandate to be a disruptor where you are, right? Mm -hmm. So nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Right. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, how am I going to disrupt? When they're telling dirty jokes on your job, disrupt, right? Mm -hmm. When you see someone do something that is anti-God and anti-Christ, you have to speak. Don't laugh at these jokes and blah, blah, blah. When you see someone who is confused about a scripture or being led astray, or you hear somebody say, oh, well, my pastor teaches us this. that's not what the Bible says. And I know I'm going to get some pushback. Oh, but you're not their pastor. Well, that's part of the problem, right? And it's fine as long as it doesn't uh, affect or offend you, but we're not talking about personal offenses. We're talking about the word of God. Mm -hmm. We're talking about truth. And you said it earlier. You said the truth hurts. Mm -hmm. And who among us does not demand truth? We may not like it because it's disruptive, but what's more disruptive than a lie? <laughs> well, uh, we, the, well we, what, the truth is disruptive to a lie. <laughs> that's right. And now, and if you set up a house of lies, then Donald the Trump. truth comes in and it's not welcome. Sure. Because it's like, man, this is getting ready to tear up everything we do. Once again, Jesus, John the Baptist, we, sure. we set up this house of cards and he, he's about to kick this over. You yeah. can't be a Christian <laughs> and follow Donald Trump the way he's following himself. You can't do that. You just can't. You can't be a Christian and follow QAnon. You just can't. And, and, and you're living your life 
on based on a lie. And I'm not even yes. talking about you could be Republican. I could care right. less. But just a flat out lie, lie. and promote a be lie. Be honest about who and, you are. And not yeah. only lie, but to go out here, traipse down to the Capitol, tear stuff up, kill people, and then sit back like nothing happened. We watch murder after murder. We watch people stealing money and robbing and cheating. And these are the same people who stand up and talk about, you know, this is a Christian country. This is a God, God bless America. Stop it. You're lying. Your life is built upon a lie. Yes. You're a lie. Jesus didn't have any problem calling people what? Out. No, he man, said, you whited sepulchers are full of dead men's bones. He said, your father, the devil, he had no problem, no problem. telling people what it was. And then when you get caught red-handed, you say it was Antifa. <laughs> it was Antifa. It was, but we got was, you on camera with your feet you on, on the camera, desk, bro. man. We saw so you. So it's just disappointing that You know people, we can hear you, right? Like, but, but the yeah. dangerous aspect of this is that there are people now Yes. Who are so invested in the lie, they <laughs> cannot allow the truth to be heard or seen. So that's what we said at first. That it's our job to disrupt and bring the truth, even when it's a disruption, maybe especially when it's a disruption. But there are people that are really like billions of dollars invested in this lie. Yes. And when you come yes. in here kicking over and exposing that America is not a Christian nation. When you come and in here and expose been. that Donald Trump does not love America, right? That this is a racist, racist country. Who our yes. vice president stood up and said America's not a uh, not a uh, racist nation. Come on, Kamala, racist country. And I'm all Kamala, like, Kamala. That's the kind of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. That I'm like, you don't have to pacify and coddle people. Mm -hmm. But now I also will. will, will I, I'll 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 save that for a, a moment. I want to pose a question to to you all, but I want everybody to have a go at this point in the discussion. What, your question yeah. is like, why yeah. would you make us wait like this? I'll do that. <laughs> With baby no. well, I just wondered about because because P. Ram said something that he, he said he something that's true. But now, is there a place that we draw the line at truth telling? Every time we see sin, are we to point it out? Every time, like say for instance, I'm at work. And my boss comes in and he says, I want to introduce everybody to my husband. And he introduces you to his husband and said, this is my husband. I just wanted you all to know that going back to work, is it our job as Christians to stand up and say, I hope you know you're living in sin? Or do you keep it to yourself? Or do you come at lunch? Do you send an email? Or do you allow the spirit to give you discernment on when it's appropriate to speak or when it's not. Because there is a fine line now between even praying in public and keeping your job. Like, there is a fine line between when it's appropriate to speak and when now it's a punishable offense. Because anything you say that can be deemed as offensive... Absolutely. Anything you say that could be deemed right. as offensive will get you in complete and utter trouble and... You know, you now you're without a job, or now you whatever. No, that's a, that's a great point. So I just wonder, sure. P. Ramp, your and, thoughts, and, gentlemen, your thoughts. Like, and I'm being serious because there are know, people absolutely. out here who will be like, man, well then let me. I better start saying something. But they'll be jobless. 
That, you know, there, there'll sure. be some things, there are going to be some prices you have to pay if you don't pick your battles. Sure. And I think you have to allow the spirit to lead you and give you discernment. Remember when Jesus said, take no thought what you'll say. Right. The spirit will give you what to say. And in I believe the spirit will Absolutely. give you when to say it. Absolutely. But let's just bring some clarity for those who, listening who may well, be compelled by our words. Sure. Give them a little insight on when to use this disruption. Well, I, I think you bring a very uh, interesting nuance to the question and an important aspect for us to examine. Sure. Zealotry mm -hmm. is really what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. How zealous yeah. should we be? And the reason why I think we have to take this in two parts is first and foremost, we have to understand that Jesus has not called us to be sin monitors, Okay. right? Yes. It's not our job to point out running around here giving tickets and demerits. Is that a cigarette? <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. Pulling, smacking <laughs> cigarettes. Out of, I mean, that's. I mean, think about it. That's where we live. The world is inherently that's sinful, right. right? So we are to share the gospel. So to your point, we can't run around here beating people up because I don't know about you, but my personality, that would never work with me. Trying to bully me, that's where we get that term bully pulpit, where people mm -hmm. just decide, oh, I'm going to take what I have, and I'm going to beat you over the head. Remember, back to the weaponry and the tool of the God. It's not a weapon. We, It's a double-edged sword, yes, mm -hmm. right? But we shouldn't be stabbing people no. and killing people. To your point about how far do we go? I think the power of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. leads us and guides us. Because think about this. If you have something that the Spirit is leading you to say to me, mm -hmm. that same Spirit has already softened my heart so that I'm able to receive. Timing is everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you have to get up because you know what? More damage could be done if we go in our own flesh. And I think a lot of times people are so zealous and they want to win. And it's great. He that went of souls is wise. But remember, no man draws save the spirit of the living God. So I don't want to do damage mm -hmm. trying to promote and push and you this and you're that and you know you're not living right and God is not in that. And now I'm resistant to what? The message because I can't stand the messenger. Right. Right. So I'm mad at you. And it's not that what you said is wrong. It's how you said it. It's the time and it's the place. That's where the Holy Spirit comes and allows us mm -hmm. to be led, mm -hmm. to understand, okay, this is the opportunity. And it may, last point, it may not happen all at once. You may get to drop a seed here, and then, you know, you're at a basketball game. You, hey, man, how you doing, man? You know, I've been thinking, man, I got to get my, oh, yeah, man, well, I'm praying for you. It start, can I pray with you? Hey, I was reading a scripture the other day, and I was confused. I don't know what that means. Do you mind if we sit down and talk about it together at lunch over a break? So we understand the world has changed. Mm -hmm. We understand the way people respond to the word has changed. Mm -hmm. And we are living in an anti-God yes. place. Yeah, that, yes. Like this is anti-Christ. Anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-God. It's anti-Christ specifically. Because sure. you can do anything to Vishnu or any other God. Yes. Don't say Jesus. Period. Yeah. And oh, so I'm wondering we, something. Go ahead. So 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 what we have to learn to do is be uh 
wise as serpents as harmless as doves, mm-hmm. right? That's about so, so we just got to make sure that we're being led by the Spirit at all times. And I know, I'm going to be honest, I've not always been led. Sometimes stuff just annoyed me. Man, why are you, so you, so you drinking again? Like, mm. And then the person like, bro, I got a problem, but you, but you have condemned me. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to go somewhere else where they understand the nature well, of my... Well, there's an aspect to it. Sure. Uh, Q, yeah, Q, I want to disband it. B.I., go ahead, but I wanted to see if you use the same thought process. But go, go ahead, B.I., because I want you to finish your thought up on this. So just to kind of answer you know, your, your original question, uh, the way I kind of think about it is there's two different um, aspects to that. I think, um, one, how you deal with a believer or a sinner, and then how you deal with a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it, when it comes to going back to your original question, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, we're kind of tongue in cheek a little bit, but you know, if you have a, a boss who comes mm-hmm. in and introduces his mm-hmm. husband, you know, that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when it comes to a person who's not a believer, um, our biggest responsibility is to share the gospel, is to present Jesus, is to talk about yes. who he is. Our greatest evangelistic tool is going to be our life. It's going to be the way that we live. It's going to be the way that we let our light shine, the way that we carry ourselves, right? So as a man, as a husband, as a father, um, what kind of husband am I in public? What kind of father am I? What kind of worker am I? Do I show up on time? Um, do I participate in the gossip that goes on or do I just kind of mm. walk away from it and not really say much uh, or, you know, not, not, I'm saying just not participate. So how do we carry ourselves? I think that's our first step in evangelism and winning souls is the way that we live is building and establishing credibility based on the God that is in us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that there's a difference when you see me, not that I'm intentionally trying to be different. I'm just following Jesus. And if I'm following Jesus, there's going to be a difference in me naturally because I'm following him. I think that's our first method of evangelism. And mm-hmm. then going back to your point, being led by the spirit of knowing what to say and when to say it and how to say it. Because when you live, my experience has been when you live a particular way, uh, people, not because you tell them to, because they can see a difference in you. And because, you know, when we had that conversation, I'm not bashful about why I'm the way that I am. I'm not bashful about why I don't drink, why I don't smoke, why I don't cuss, why I don't flirt, why I don't do these things. I'm going to tell you it's because I believe in the Lord Jesus. He's my Savior, man. He just does so many things for me. And so when you do that, then what ends up happening, when you live consistently enough, then those people that are around you, will come to you in their time of need. They will come to you, and they will respect you in a different way. They will say, uh, you know, in most cases, you know, they'll watch their language around you. If they say something they think might offend you, they'll, you know, be a little bit more cognizant. So I think that for me, it starts with establishing credibility with the way that you live and then um, having those moments when the Holy Spirit gives you what to say and when to say it. But I think that it's a different conversation when I'm dealing with my brother or my sister who's a believer, right? So if we're co-workers and, you know, you profess Christ, I profess Christ, but I see that you are always flirting with the women, mm-hmm. even though you're married, mm-hmm. then I feel like that's when it's time for me to step in and not, um, you know, be the Bible police or be the, even the marriage police. But as your brother, say, hey, man, we need to talk about this. And there's a way that you even do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what is the practical approach I think that we should take as believers in disrupting. I need to disrupt what you're doing, sir, because you are a believer. You do have a wife. I know you love her. I know she loves you. And I know that this is not representing the Christ that you and I both have established that we believe in. So I need to disrupt what you're doing. But I'll do it in a way 
that you can receive it. I always ask my people, do you want to be heard or do you want to be understood? Mm-hmm. I can say it to get it off my chest and say, I told him. Mm-hmm. He don't want to listen. No, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And so there's a gentleness that I may do it with. Just knowing you because we have a relationship, there's a way that I'm going to do it, but I still think it needs to be done. And so I think the approach with both of those are a little different. Beautiful. That's good, B.I. And I just wanted to ask uh, you fellas, because uh, there are some serious, serious demonic strongholds in all different places of the world. And uh, in Acts, uh, after the Lord had ascended, uh, the disciples were sent out two by two. So, uh, of course, we've all ran into situations where we have a one-on-one conversation with somebody, and they may ask you, there's a dialogue about the gospel. Uh, But how important is it to have maybe uh, one of your brothers or sisters with you if you're going out uh, to evangelize or preach to somebody or spread the gospel? How important is it to be with somebody? Because a lot of people might, you know, after listening to go out and maybe go somewhere where they shouldn't go. I want to, um, uh, that's a wonderful question, and it reminds me actually of a conversation that uh, uh, CS and I had several, several years ago, uh, where he talked about one day he was at a gas station. I don't know if you remember this. He was at a gas station, and um, you kind of got into it with a guy at the gas station, and um, you were driving home, and the Lord convicted you and said, what, he wasn't worthy of the gospel? Um, and And it just convicted. I don't even know if you remember that story. I don't remember the particulars of it, but I don't know if you remember that story. And that always stuck with me. I think that, number one, every single person is worth receiving the gospel from us. Mm. And we have to know that. Every single person that we come in contact with is worth receiving the gospel. So I think there is a component of any opportunity that I get, I should share. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is not the same thing as going out and evangelizing, mm-hmm. going out and witnessing. Because when you go out yeah. and evangelize, when you go out and witness, absolutely it should be two by two. And at my old church, our, our elders used to make sure, if we're going to go out, that you, you make sure that we know where you're going, and mm-hmm. I want to know who's going with you. It needs to at least be two of you. So that is a uh, that is what I believe is the proper way. If we're going to go out and canvas in a neighborhood, canvas. we should do that. There's a biblical model for it, like he mentioned. Yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah. if it's, but if it's just that also should be a part of what we – are doing that should be a part of our conversation uh, throughout the course of the day. You know, we should be able to uh, just share the gospel in whatever yes. capacity we find ourselves. Yes, absolutely. That's ideal, mm-hmm. but it's not always you know optimal. Yeah, because when you are in a position mm-hmm. where someone approaches you, you have yeah. no idea. What, you have <laughs> what, to still be sure, able. you have yeah. to still be yeah. able. So I, I like yeah. the, the the way that you differentiated between evangelistic efforts, mm-hmm. going out with intentionality, with intention. yeah. and these impromptu conversations that happen every Absolutely. single day from seekers and skeptics alike, yeah. mm-hmm. whether they're believers, whether they're uh, persons who are on their journey, who have fallen from grace, sometimes is just not an ideal time to say, hey, let me go grab my homie right yeah. here so we can go over yes. here. And, you know, so, so I think that's important. The other thing, too, is... I think the reason why that two-by-two two model makes sense is accountability. Yeah, It's, it's important mm-hmm. because let's be honest, and this has happened to me before. There are times when you go out and you talked about uh, after the Lord has ascended, 
there are a lot of people who are resistant and even mm. hostile mm. toward the gospel. Mm. So you might say something and somebody just fixates on you and they're just, you don't know me. Don't you, you know, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you sit there like, brother. Yeah. And then somebody else asks them and say, well, hold on, let me just, do you mind if I pray? And they might yeah. be real, more receptive to you mm-hmm. because they just don't like an individual. That's important for accountability but it's also important for stability so that if you say too much to me and I'm not in the right frame of mind, I don't use that as an opportunity to get at you instead of trying to promote the gospel. Mm -hmm. So somebody else can say, you know what, I'll I'll go ahead and pray. And I'll go over here and (laughs) hand out a track to the next person instead of handing out knuckle sandwiches, right? That's why it's important. Mm-hmm. accountability, stability, right? Mm-hmm. And so that God is glorified and so that the Lord is is, is magnified and lifted up. So that's that's a powerful uh, question that you asked, and I think it's important it is. Uh, for us moving forward. And also, forward. you need it's a witness. It's a built-in witness. Sure. To, so d- just in case somebody yes. would say, he said this to me, or he did this, or he tried to touch, you have a witness here to say, no, no such thing happened. Out of the he mouth didn't of say anything to him, witnesses. so it's just like you have to have somebody with you that can... Give your side, and especially in this this world today. Sure. You never know what could be done or said. But there's one important thing I want to share about where we just came from briefly about um, when it's appropriate and how it's appropriate. Sure. And uh, B.I. touched on it, but I want to go a little deeper when he said that your your lifestyle is your witness, which should give you some spiritual currency, uh, for for lack of a better way of putting it, with people that when you if you do have something to say, mm-hmm. that it'll be received. At least they know you're serious, yes. and that you're not just That's cooking so this important. up. But also, in addition to that, is the other aspects of love that are not to be neglected in favor of uh, just a harsh love is correction. Love is the truth, the hard truth. Love is when you don't have lunch money today. I got you. Right. Love is when you don't have a ride home and you're sitting there and you're kind of nervous to ask me. I volunteer. I'll take you. Uh, love is if your kids need something and I can do it. I try to do it. Love is going the extra mile. Love is asking you, are you okay? Because you seem down today. And it, can I pray with you? Or just if, if prayer will make you uncomfortable, just I just wanted to check on you, wanted you to know I noticed something's going on. So if I can do something for you, let me know. It's an investment of love. Yeah. It's the love that is tangible, that can be felt. And Tim and I had a discussion about this, about a private matter, about uh, love isn't really love from a distance because right. you can say, man, you know, I love them, but I don't mess with them. It's not and love. It's, that's not real love. And you, but it, even if it's for you think it's for your own good, like, man, I'll just keep a distance because, but I love them. But how do, do they know you love? They love you? Do they, can they feel the fact that you love them? Can they experience your love? Now, I'm not saying there's not any situation where you shouldn't love from a distance, but I think that after a while, if your love isn't made felt, isn't made tangible, isn't made expressed, again, even if it's, I'm not here to receive love back. I'm not necessarily trying to love on you to get love, but I want to stay invested enough in love that if I ever need to do something that the spirit leads me to do, I've got enough natural collateral as well as spiritual sure. that I've put food on your table or I've given you a ride or I've been that ear or that shoulder. I've given you something where you know I'm in it with you for real. So that if I have to correct you or I have to say, man, listen, I don't know how well you're going to receive this, 
But, bro, man, I heard the way you were talking to your kid the other day, man, and it just hurt, broke my heart. I don't tell people how to parent, but, man, you can't be calling him a so-and-so and so You know, if they need you, they need you, and they may not know they need you. B.I. gave an example of a dude that's flirting at work. Maybe he doesn't know that he's coming off as flirtatious as he is. Maybe he doesn't realize that his over-friendliness is being misinterpreted. So, bro, let me pull you to the side and say, hey, man, you may not even know this, but you need it. this because somebody's going to mess around to make you an offer you may not be able to turn down so let me stop you from making yourself seem available sure um those are the kind of things that i think we have to be sure to stay invested enough not only in spiritual ways well i pray for the whole office when i go home no do they know you love them do they know that if you left there would be a void here because he really loves us for real. He looks out for us for real. And that buys you some collateral, not only spiritually, but naturally that, you know what? I know it comes from a place of love. So even if I don't like it, I'll receive it and investigate it. And I'll give it some play because he loves us or she loves us for real. That's a great point. And Absolutely. so I, I think, you know, that's a great point. I, really, I just wanted to say this. Mm -hmm. So sometimes our lifestyle mm -hmm talking about collateral, mm -hmm. doesn't have the same impact that we would hope that it would, mm. right? Because some people look at that and say, I can respect you because I see it. Mm -hmm. Other people look at that as a pinch point mm -hmm. and say, well, you're not better than me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How dare you? Mm -hmm. So that's where in each instance that tangible love comes into play, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not trying to be a certain way so that I'm better than you. That's mm -hmm. not what this is. Right. That's for collateral's sake, so yeah. that you know I'm practicing what, what I'm pre preaching, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm living the life that I sing about, preach about, teach about, and so forth. The other point is, if for any point or any reason in your life you think that anything that I'm doing is is a ouchie it's a pinch point to you like yeah you're always talking about you know i know i'm not perfect like listen bro i love you i just it's tangible i want you to feel yeah what i feel about you forget about everything else you can feel my love because it is a tangible takeaway you made a great Real point love is a tangible that's, takeaway. Vi that's vital that's vital because like you said there are times when you living different does make you seem standoffish Period. or isolationist. Or I notice he don't ever laugh at the jokes. Who he think he is? You don't so, mess you, with us. Yeah, like he don't. <laughs> you don't mess with us like that. Uh, you're right. And so, but but doing giving the other forms of love can bridge that gap to say, listen, I don't do that because I'm better or that I don't care about you all. But those kind of jokes aren't funny to me because this and so. True. So yeah, I've yeah, had to do that. I've had to do that. We I've all had, to do have, that bro. With. Uh, you know, with, with that same uh, issue with some people that I, you know, was close to and, and I'm still, you know, fairly close with um, about uh, just different things like, I don't remember the specifics, but it was like, you know, it would be pictures of women or, you know, videos. And as soon as they, you know, get to that, I'm moving, I'm going to another space or I might just leave. And so, you know, people got upset like, man, you, why you, and I had to say, man, listen, I'm a, I'm a believer, but I'm not, uh, it's not about being better than you. This is my defense. Like, I, I, I st I'm, I'm human like you. I'm a man just like you. I see what you see, and, and it affects me the way it affects you, but I'm trying to live different. And sometimes yes. it does take making that distinction. Like, bro, I used to struggle with that. You know, that's something that, I, that I'll have to fight every single day. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'll never be that delivered where, you know, so I think that that's right. a great point, that there are times that, um, 
again, the way that we live will be an offense to somebody. But to your point, we got to love them enough to not feel like I'm elite, right? I don't feel like I'm elite, and I don't want to come across as I'm elite or I'm just more saved than maybe the other. It's just, one, I really do honor the Lord. I really have a reverence for him. But two, I still have struggles, right? You could put me in a room full of a uh, 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 hundred pounds of weed, and you leave me there for a weekend. You gonna come back? It's gonna be a hundred pounds of weed there. That's right. not a temptation to me. Right. But if you put me in a room with you know a hundred naked women, or you know videos, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a DB, you know, a room full of I can't get out this room, and this is gonna be you know uh, some mm-hmm. some porn on this. You know, I. It takes a different type of strength. It takes a different type of strength. And I I can't say with confidence that I'm going to survive that. You know what I'm saying? So I know what I've got to do. I've got to isolate. I'm not going to do that. And I I think that I'm not afraid or ashamed to share that with people. And I think that we've got to learn as believers when we get in those moments where we Mm -hmm. are different. Not that we got to explain every single thing, but no, my love for you, I don't have that much pride. My love for you. Listen, let me make sure it's crystal clear. This is why I do this, or this is why I don't do that. This is kind of why I stay away. This is why I don't go to that. This is how I feel about alcohol. This is why I don't drink. Um, it's not, And it's not always just about the spiritual component. Addiction is in my family. Mine too. Uh, all the men in my family at one point or another were addicted to something. So yes. for me, it's just not doing it. It's not just about, well, I'm a believer and I'm just looking down on you because I just can't. But no, it's, it's not that at all. So I think those are wonderful points. Yeah, good That's points, right. B.I. Good, good. That's great. Um, and as we wrap up this uh, episode, I think we have so much more to unpack. Uh, I think we should revisit this, but I kind of want to hit on, if we will, uh, it, the the Christian that has lost or the person has lost uh, their zeal or their passion for uh, witnessing that they felt like they've been in a battle for so long uh, and they just lost that fight. How do, how do you rekindle that flame? Uh, maybe that's yeah. something we can touch on next time. Any final points before we uh, end this episode, fellas? I'm good. Okay. I think it's been said. Yeah. All right. Great episode. Great All episode. Right. So let's and interesting, up. interesting yeah. lead into next episode. Right. Q. That's gonna be interesting. All right. Uh, that finishes and concludes this episode of the Artful Reason podcast. Let's close out in prayer. Eternal God, we do thank you for your goodness and for your merciful kindness that is better to us than life itself. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have had to glean from one another, to hear uh, your word as it pertains to our role in being disruptors. Lord, we ask as we move from this place into our several areas of influence that you will continue to provide us with open doors of opportunity to share your word and to provide the disruptive information of the gospel wherever it is needed. Touch the hearts and minds of the hearers. Touch us, Lord, that anything that we are currently struggling with or dealing with, you will give us what we need to overcome. You are an overcoming God and we have an overcoming gospel. And so we thank you for what you're going to do. Keep us, bless us until you allow us to come together again. And it is in the only name that has power that we pray. The matchless and magnanimous name of our Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Jesus' name. All of God's people said amen. Amen. Amen.